Hello, everybody. It's Kirk Henderson and Josh Bow joining you for another episode of Mavs Moneyballs After Dark. We are recording at 9 p.m. here on Tuesday, uh, the 21st of February. We've taken a, a multi-day hiatus, almost five days, according to when I last posted <laughs> something, primarily because it's all-star break and primarily because Josh and I needed a break. And then just lastly, because I didn't... You know, if, if something interesting would have happened at All-Star Game, I think we we would have probably hopped on. Uh, the media sessions, which we'll talk about here maybe briefly, were pretty interesting, but not... It's it's kind of the choice as... It was kind of... It's it's a, it's a little bit of an editorial choice from me as, as editor of the Mavs Moneyball to where I don't know how to cover Kyrie. I'm just going to be <laughs> honest. I don't know how to cover it because every time he talks, he makes news. And I, I don't, he had the biggest scrum at all-star weekend by far. Um, and there's just, everything he says is interesting without also being, it, it gets into areas of stuff that like, I just don't want to talk about. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Because another part of why it's so hard to talk about on maybe the main thing is because let's be honest, you say anything about Kyrie and you get, you're gonna get. You're gonna hear from it from yep. one end of the spectrum or the other. You're yep. gonna hear from it from the people that think everything he says is correct and he's, you know, a victim of mm-hmm. circumstance. And then you're gonna get the other side of it where you know, even if you take maybe a somewhat softer approach, you're gonna get people that are like, "Hey, you know, this guy's a fucker. Like, what are you doing?" Yep. So like, you're gonna upset people when you talk about Kyrie. It's just and I just really wasn't in the mood for it. Not with no <laughs> basketball now. Right. That that what that does allow is is, is a, a bit of an easy segue into the game, where Kyrie Irving, as a starter for Team LeBron, he was one of the first players LeBron chose. Shared a big hug up on stage. Oh, yeah. um, it, you know, it, it became an ESPN story to a degree. Kyrie Irving played probably the best statistical basketball game from a you know in of any Maverick ever. To, to play in the all-star game. He scored 32 points. That's the most by a Maverick ever. Um, seven, six assists, seven assists. No, I'm sorry, 15 assists, and then five or six rebounds. Like, it's an all-star game. So what, you know, there's there's only a certain amount to take away from it. And I think we should sort of talk about the game as a as a whole. But it was, it was that part of it was, like, actually really interesting. Like, watching Kyrie be kind of an alpha in a, in a game filled with guys that either didn't want to play or we're just kind of futzing around was was pretty fun I, I i enjoyed that element of the all-star game what did you think yeah i mean think about i mean we talked about this we've been talking about this for a while like dirk scored 22 in that 2010 all-star or 2011 all-star game i can't remember which one which year mm-hmm. it was the one that was in dallas and he only scored 22 because it was in dallas and they actually played him in the fourth quarter and gave him shots otherwise yep. dirk has never had, had a big all-star game because he did have the because cool he moment. His, he's had cool right. moments, but he he's his game is you know mid range twos and threes. He never and, got hot. Yeah. He only got hot in the he in never kind got of shot. the, the send off game. Yeah, and and that was neat. But it's just it's it's not. He his had to game. share the That's floor okay. with Tim Duncan and Shaq and Kevin Green. Yeah. Like the West was crazy back then. So That's true. Um, there was also that. So and then you know with Luca, his game isn't particularly fit for it. So like we've kind of talked about like All Star games for Mavericks fans aren't really much other than like. 
with Dirk, it was cool because Dirk was like our indie rock star that we felt like no one heard of. And like to see yep. him on the floor next to Demkin and Shaq and Kobe and all these greats was like validation of like, hey, this is actually like one of the greatest NBA players ever, you know, especially in his prime when there was a lot of contention around his career and, and stuff like that. So that was always nice. With Luka, it's getting used to him being popular because Mavericks have never had like a really popular player. Like Dirk's popular in a sense, but Luka is like an international star. <laughs> it's just, uh, it's it's difficult. You know, Dirk never won. Dirk was never voted in as a starter. So right. He's, he wasn't one of the most popular players on the planet. Luka no, is. No. So we have, so seeing, so that's been maybe kind of interesting to think about, but like seeing Kyrie and seeing him score point, like, you know, it was just, we don't see that. We just don't mm-hmm. see that in a, people with Mavericks uh, uniforms. And I think it kind of was hard because he's only been a Maverick for a week. So it was like, wait, he, wait, he broke the record. He's, and you kind of have to remember, Oh yeah, we traded, we traded for him. He's a Maverick. Like he might only be on the team for a week, but it still counts. So that's also like, it was, it was like another like wake up call that this guy's like on the team. And I mean, not, not that we were like denying it, but you know, just mentally thinking about the Mavericks. It's just different now. Um, But I'm with you. I, he, he tried pretty hard. I, I appreciated his effort. Uh, he was like getting up and down the floor. Like, of course, no one, you know, no one's asking for these guys to to play 110%. But like, I kind of like what he did. Like, if if the rest of the guys on the floor can can at least do what he did, which was like at least like run around with some purpose, I think that's probably the most you can ask for. And of course, watching him in contrast to Luca, who was already his brain was already in Mexico, it was like a very stark contrast to like what these guys think of the game and that became yep. quite the subject uh online well and, and night and monday morning it's probably good we didn't record the night of because i think you yes. and i were you and i are like not were we are pretty grossed out at what luca decided to do that game um yep. barely ran past half court showed just every bit of disdain about the game possible luca really had out there and I understand that he's tired. I understand he wants to go on vacation, but he also like, like he gives a lot of lip service to it being an honor and all that sort of stuff. And then to play like that, to play with that little energy, cause he might've been, I'm not sure if this is fair, but he might've been the most lethargic player between the two teams. Um, oh, I don't even know if that's a debate. Yeah. And, I mean, how many think, plays where he wasn't even cross half court? Like you didn't even see oh, him he wasn't on your in the frame. Yeah. yeah, he wasn't in the frame. He he basically ran three point line to three point line at best. He threw one pass like bomb to Jokic, and Jokic wasn't paying attention. Nearly hit him in the head. That was pretty funny. Uh, he had a pick and roll with Joel Embiid. That was pretty funny. And you know he played some grab ass on the bench with Kyrie. That and after the fact was actually very amusing to watch. And oh, yeah. I I don't. It's been a big discussion. Like the passion or lack of passion about the All Star Game has come out in a big way the last several days. Where um, Ben Golliver, who has his own podcast, he's a Washington Post writer, used to be at SI. Basically, he he's been a kind of a staunch defender of like player, you know, just how just basically defending the players in all aspects for years. And even he was he went off on like a ninety minute rant today on his show where he was just like, "This was awful." Like, this is awful. And if the, like the league shouldn't do it, if this is how these guys are going to approach it. And because he, he described it as a basketball trade show. And I've been thinking about that. And, and Luca played a part in it. He wasn't the only one. I mean, LeBron no. stopped at halftime. 
you know, well, yeah, Giannis Jokic didn't do much either. <laughs> Steph Curry didn't show up. So it's like, I get it. I, I'm trying not to, to but understanding the, that this is a Mavericks podcast and I have watched the Mavericks for 20 plus years. And there's something to, for me as a fan to want, like to, I want my favorite player to shine on a bright stage surrounded by his peers. Now he does it in games that count. So we've seen him perform. Okay. So it's not, that's not what I mean. It's just like, there's been this clip that's gone around the other, the the last couple of days of Kobe Bryant talking about the all-star game, about how fans want to see the coolest pickup game on earth. Not a bunch of dunks guys playing hard and making stuff happen. And that's what I wanted to see. And you know what? Unfortunately, I just think we may never get that. I think if Luke is going to turn in that kind of effort though, they should find a way for, so that he doesn't even have to go. It's kind of embarrassing to watch. Yeah. And like, People, of course, reading too much into it, and like I barely, you know, I kind of hinted at it online, but I wanted mm-hmm. to talk about it more on the podcast because broaching this topic on Twitter is is well, less the night of because the night of everybody was just like, well, he should. This is stupid. Why do you care about this? And it's yeah, like, it's why like, do I care about the thing that I care about? Why do yeah. I care about like the we're fun? all watching it? Why do we want it to be bad? Shouldn't we want right. it to be good if we're gonna watch it? Like. Yes. If, he, if and if the answer is like he shouldn't try, it doesn't matter. He shouldn't care. You know, it's an exhibition. Don't eat don't, Arby's. Don't have to worry about it. Then, then yeah, then play five minutes. Don't start. Like then I'm totally cool with him not going. Like he shouldn't go. Then like I just I'm totally. Hey, if he doesn't want to play and the NBA is like, hey, it's cool. You don't have to go. I'll be like, mm-hmm. all right, fine. Like that's cool. Yep. Just just get to what you need to get to. And it became like kind of a larger conversation that I thought about because it's like. On one hand, there's a middle ground where you have to be like, obviously, we don't want these guys going crazy in an yep. exhibition game, but you have to do more than than run baseline, to, you know, three point line to three point line. Like, there's a middle ground. I and, mean, Jason Tatum left the game and ba- like he scored 55 points. And then after the game, though, he was like, "Well, the most important thing is that nobody got hurt." It's just like you can't play basketball that way, even yeah. if it's an exhibition. And then it's the other hand difficult. of it, and then the other hand of it, though, is all these guys get hurt way more often than they're. That's the true. Previous generations, and um, I don't know how many times I've shared that Baxter Holmes article that he did for ESPN in 2019. That's like these guys, guys entering the league the last five to ten years are broken are, by the time they get to the league. Yeah, compared, you know, you think about Michael, like Michael Jordan played baseball like in high school, like you know he played and he didn't play these ten game in a day AAU tournaments that these guys do. Like it's just a different it's a different era. Like everyone's like, Oh, well these guys played 82 games in the eighties and they were fine. It's like, yeah, because they didn't, because when they were 10 years old, they weren't playing in, in tournaments and traveling across the country, you know, like it, it's just different. And they were, and they were playing other sports. Dirk, Dirk played handball and tennis before he played yep. basketball. Like it's yeah. like, this is, it, it makes me mad because it's like, you can't, like, unless you're like, this is science. And like that piece was very well reported and sourced. And it's like, I don't know how you're arguing this. Like, it's just substantially the era that these guys are in now is just, it's just different. Like, I don't care. It's different. So yeah, that's part of it. Like if these guys felt better about their bodies at this point in the season, because they're not being ground to dust before they even get into the league, maybe that changes things, but that's like the eat Arby scenario because that's like that Pandora's box is open. and It is ever closing. Like that's, I don't think there's nothing they can change. You know, the NBA has no power over right. what these guys do before they get into the league. So it's kind of like, a, it just it's a shitty situation and they probably need to find some solutions in between. Like you said, they can they can figure it out and maybe, but 
it, it's just tough because you you know I'm not I'm not. Well, here's guys. a real wild one. How about don't do it three fourths of the way through the season? <laughs> yeah. Like there's uh, uh, that's you do it at the actual halfway point. I suppose the, the I suppose the thing point. I hate about this the most is this is the first time I've really felt old man yells at clouds since watching oh, basketball. <laughs> and what was odd is that there were so many people who agreed with me where I think like this sort of felt like a tipping point between, you know, like Kyrie gave a bunch of quotes and one of the things he talked about, which made no, which made, you know, news was this like how it's dehumanizing some of what is expected of players relative to how hard they play and how much they prepare their bodies. And I had some extensive conversations with different people around the league that cover the league about that because the language frustrated me because I, I it's again, it's basketball, but one thing that was pointed out to me that I think is very interesting is that it is the teams more than the players who want this injury stuff hidden for competitive advantage. It is the league that is forcing them to make forcing teams to open up their kind of injury books for gambling purposes, because gambling is a big revenue stream. And so these two things are all budding together. And I still think most players want to play as often as they can. Yeah. I I still can't. I think there's a few guys who just, you know, there's always exceptions to everything, but uh, it's very it's it's just been one of these things the last several days where it's like basketball's played differently. You know, JJ Redick made an argument about how like the league is more physical now, and it really rankled some some older folks that I talk hoops with, like guys that are a little older than me in their forties. And it's like, well, the eighties, and it's like, look, the way you def- like centers didn't defend the perimeter in nineteen eighty three. Okay. <laughs> Guys didn't expect to cover this much floor length. So there's all these like hip and, and um, core injuries and things. It's like guys are covering more ground. Like we know this. It is yeah, there's, science. There's data. They track how many miles these guys run every game. And so it's like it, it traps me in this weird old man yells at cloud situation where I'm very frustrated by what I'm watching while also understanding why. I It's just elements of this season, I think, for you and I and and – you know, Silver Silver gave a long press conference that like had him. He was taking hits. He did not have a good press conference because no. the league is is does a like the league is not in bad place, but it's not in a great place. It's just it's not like uh, Kevin Durant got up and gave a get you know talked about how trade requests are great for the league. No, they're not. <laughs> like no, they're not. It's bad. You should want players and t- you should want like like fans and. And and there should be energy around teams as well as players. It, it's I don't know. I'm I'm kind of off on a sideways rant here. It's just this this All Star Weekend. Is it's always the time a- where you kind of can do a state of the union, union mm-hmm. state of the league because it's one of the few times Silver gets up and talks. It's you're yeah. not talking when you're talking to the players. You're not talking about a game, so you can ask them pretty much anything. So so more broader topics get brought. It always happens around this. Yeah, weekend. It's, yeah. It's, it's it's weird and. Yeah, I'm 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 kind of with you. It's like it's like an unstoppable force and a movable object because it's like the league isn't getting slower and these guys aren't getting less athletic. Yeah. Like it's only trending to to faster, harder, stronger, whatever. And on the other end of the spectrum, the league still wants to be this 82 game behemoth mm-hmm. that sells a bunch of ad money and and gets a bunch of ticket revenue and it's like 
like guys, if it's like both arrows are pointing up and towards each other and they're eventually going to crash and neither side wants to acknowledge it in a, in a, in a, in a way that's going to fix things. Cause like you can't like, if you want the league to be this fast and, and these players to be this athletic and, and do all this, yeah, you could do some things that reduces uh, the load management, reduces stars sitting out games. I mean, you could play less games, but that's like non-negotiable because neither the players nor the artists want to lose money. And it's, so it's like, okay, well then now what do you do? And like everything kind of comes back to that. We don't want to lose money. And it's like, well, for the good of the game, there's eventually going to need to be a step back and like be like, okay, look, this might hurt for the first two or three years, but this will be better for the long run. And I feel like the league and the players are just so temporarily, they're just so short-sighted right now. And it's the same I mean, that, that, they're always short-sighted. Sides. Yeah, it's like this this league that's supposed to be the most hip and advanced and in tune with like social media and stuff is they're a joke when it comes to watching, you know, allowing people to watch their team the way they want to watch them. And, yeah. and like, and again, it's short-sightedness. It's because they, they wanted to, it's like, uh, I'll just sign this contract in 2015 with, with Bally or whatever the, you know, Fox Sports, the regional sports networks, even though like it's right in front of you, streaming is coming, <laughs> it's coming to a head and there's trends and, and how people are watching television now that's different than the previous 10 years. And it's like, nah, we just, but, but there's money now. And I'm just like, well, I also think what we're finding sucks. out, what I also think we're finding out collectively as a basketball fan base is that we don't actually like parody. The league has fought for parody in a variation for years because in football, parody rules. Because you get to week four and you still have everybody alive. We're at game 60-ish, give or take. And the basketball feels drudgery. It, it's difficult because there's a this big mire of teams. Now, we'll see some separation the next. But it's just everybody's talking about, oh, this is the most competitive we've been in a while. And meaning the league as a whole. And it's like, maybe that's true. But everybody I talk with has been like, this has been just there's no momentum. There's no like real interesting storylines. There's, it's just, it's, it's jumping on to the next, which is, which is one of those things that we have a, a little bit of a harder time with from a narrative point of view. Um, yeah, and it's, and it's also the difference between playoff basketball and regular season basketball feels it's the widest that gap. I feel like it's ever been where it's like, you just can't try like, winning it. Like you think about the NFL. I know it's stupid maybe to compare the NFL because the NBA just can't. They just can't get there because the NFL plays 16 times and the, the NBA will yeah. never reach a ratio that's similar enough to make the regular season games matter as much. Yeah. But like how much in the NFL is like you can like take away so much from one game that's like, okay, this is how our season's going. This is how good our team is. And how many moments do you get in the NBA where you can say that? Because it's like, oh, well, this other team had like three guys hurt. So this win didn't really matter. Or this other team was on a third and four nights. So really that win didn't, or, you know, this loss doesn't count. Like, Basically, from after the first week, like all these games have all these qualifiers. It's like, oh, well, this wasn't really a good win or this wasn't yep. actually a bad loss. And it's like you can never figure out who's good and who's bad other than you know, it's like who's healthiest. And, you know, that's basically what the regular season comes down to. And then you get to the to the playoffs and it's like, oh, this team is not as good as I thought they were. Sure. And or this team's better than I thought they were. You know, what happened in the regular season? Well, they, they got hurt or they couldn't, you know, just the regular season is such a grind. It's hard to take, take things away from, from a single game. Oh, well, that's what's, you know, we, we've inadvertently turned into kind of old man. at yells at cloud, but 
No, no, it's fine because we don't do this very often. We genuinely, we genuinely like basketball and like the, yeah. the state, the state of the league is one where it's, it's, we're just at this point where even though we got, you know, one of the marquee players, you know, one of the most popular players in the league, that is what Kyrie Irving is like bar. There's not a question about that. Um, shout out to our, our analytics at Mavs Moneyball. But it, it's it should be kind of a more interest, and you know we're going to have more basketball to talk about. But that kind of allows us an, an easy pivot to to something that I think is going to be worth kind of considering the rest of the way. Um, you I you aggregate a story today from um, ESPN's Tim Bontemps that basically the gist of the story was, wow, look at look at LeBron selecting Kyrie, giving him a big hug, and then publicly praising him in a really effusive, almost uncomfortable manner um, in a post-game <laughs> quote where he's like, I'm really proud of the man he's become. And it's like, guy, guy, 65 days ago, he was embroiled in a, like, anti-Semitism issue. What are we doing, LeBron? <laughs> um, but, you know, to, and it's like, so so it becomes this story. And one of the things that, that I, I think is worth at least briefly touching on is because ESPN can't do anything different, they're going to talk about the future because they're not that interested in covering the basketball. Um, yeah. And I, I wanted to sort of just tee you up for your thoughts since, since you uh, wrote on it. Yeah. I, I think it, it, you know, it sucks because there's a lot of cool things that people could talk about right now with Kyrie on the Mavs basketball wise and me and you we both you know you you definitely more than me but i've actually taken the all-star break i've listened to some more like you know i'll listen to some ringer and some some low post and i listened a little bit more since there's no Mavs games and every time like the Kyrie stuff like zach Lowe had to do like an extra podcast because he was like i realized i've done like three podcasts on Kyrie, and i didn't talk about his fit in dallas basketball wise in any of them and i was like yeah dude like that's kind of how it feels uh, across the league right now is it's just no one wants to talk about what this guy's going to look what this guy looks like on the court because everyone's just so predetermined to get him yep. to Los Angeles which is again big major market i mean ES, i don't ESPN's headquarters it feels like a, like a dog story there. it is uh, it i'm is. not one of these guys because like i understand like we know what gets clicks I could have written yeah. on shit all weekend, but I decided not to. Number one, because it doesn't matter for us. It doesn't make you and me any more money. But two, I don't like covering it. But ESPN knows where their bread is buttered. I am friends with Tim Bontemps. And I would, I, my reading that story was so confusing because it's just like, I guess it's confusing because we all know it. And, but it feels like them trying to make it a story where it's like, yeah, LeBron and Kyrie, LeBron's going to pursue Kyrie Irving. Everybody, let's just get that out of the way. Like we know, this. Yeah, it's not like they're making something up. It's, no, it's they're true. not. It's it's just it feels like an emphasis on on a thing that doesn't have it, its timeline is July, not February. So can we please talk about the basketball? That's where my head is. And ESPN, frankly, can't do that. Um, not right now. I don't know why. Because I guess you know you insert Lakers into something and you just get more clicks. It is true. So. <laughs> It, 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 I just wanted to, to kind of put out there in, into the void that there's going to be a lot of this. We're going to be obligated to talk about it. But Kyrie asked that we not ask him these questions, we being the media. I think that will mostly be honored by the Dallas media for two reasons. Number one, these guys don't really want to do – they don't want to piss him off yet. 
Um, there, we don't have a lot, like the only, the only combative media in Dallas is like Cowboys media, the, the Mavericks media, there's too many games. These guys are around each other too much. There's, you know, Tim McMahon doesn't really, you know, he's probably the biggest, you know, guy who tends to be antagonistic. And I, even he, you know, there's, there's not a lot of value in antagonizing Kyrie right now because he's asked for something. And because it doesn't matter right now, I sort of think Kyrie's right. Yeah, he is. Uh, we let's just not talk about it. Like we wanted to, and so you and Especially I because probably, there's nothing to, there's nothing they can do about it because right. he's, they can only offer him the two year. Like it's not like they can give him the contract that he wants right now. They can't. They can't right. give it to him until the summer. So that's right. What are we talking about? Oh um, goodness gracious! So oh, yeah. well, I just wanted to sort of get that out of the way. You and I will still touch touch on it as it comes up because it will come up again. I just my my plea, and I may friggin' send Mark a message to this to this effect is. Please don't go on TV and make promises that you don't feel interested in cashing. Okay, don't tell. <laughs> like that's my main beef. Like I just any anyway. Yeah, we're so, heading. We can already see the doomsday scenario this summer, where it's like, could you? I mean, let's just. I mean, I don't want to put like put bad juju in the air, but we could be going two consecutive summers where loop the Mavericks lose their second best player. Well, I mean, you could argue it would be their set, like, particularly because we were heading this way before the Kyrie trade with Christian Wood, where it would almost be like two years in a row, they would lose three players that were, it's, it's too funny. Yeah. A friend of mine that knows that I don't really look forward to covering Kyrie just because of the non-basketball stuff actually said to me, this would be Kirk's hilarious doomsday scenario in the sense of if Kyrie were to walk and sign with the Lakers, you would a not to I would a not have to cover Kyrie anymore, and b I could excoriate the Mavericks front office for trading two wings and or you know two kind of functional basketball players and a first round pick for a guy that walked after twenty five games. Yeah. <laughs> Which and we like to talk just, about that, but you want the team to be good. You I do, like, I do, and you and, don't want to have that conversation, right? Like them re-signing Kyrie Irving is a collective win for everyone involved. I'm just going to get that out of the way right now. He's the best possible player that they could get. It It's fine. I just, there's, there's things that could come down the road with Kyrie. And he yeah. telegraphed that this weekend where he's like, well, what do you mean? When did it become bad for me to do what's best for me? Which it's not, it's just, you don't get to have your cake and eat it too. Like you get criticism. If you're going to walk from a team, like I don't have to be like, thanks for the memories, Kyrie. <laughs> That's not how this works. Um, okay. So that allows us kind of a, a, a soft pivot over the last few minutes of this podcast here to kind of look ahead. Uh, the Mavericks have 20-ish games left in the regular season, and they have by uh, one account, Positive Residual, which is like a, a tracking service for NBA stuff, is down and like usually would be able to see some of the factors that are involved in strength of schedule. But the Mavericks basically have the third easiest schedule the rest of the way. And Tim Kalashaw wrote a column for the Dallas Morning News that I've been thinking about all day that basically said, like, you know, the Mavericks have to do well now. Like, this is this is the time for <laughs> yeah. them to excel. And they haven't won a game yet with Luka and Kyrie. And they play the Spurs Thursday, then the Lakers. Like, they have some – they have a path to, like, go on a tear. And I'm looking forward to it and think that they will. But if they don't, that then means this team that they decided to really become star heavy with, you know, trading two players for one for Kyrie, they just don't have the back end juice if things don't go well. And and I don't know. I I, I still think they will because I think certain teams are going to start packing it up. Yeah, I mean, 
San Antonio's lost like 14 in a row. I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> like I, they're they're awful. Um, they're gonna win Thursday. I mean, if they lose Thursday, come to All Star break. Like, I don't even want to entertain that scenario. Like, I'm yep. gonna deactivate Twitter. We're gonna we're gonna lock down the site. We're gonna moderate. Like, we're gonna turn off comment sections. Like, that's just that that can't happen. But yeah, they play six in a row to start the post All Star break. They've been on a February and, and the end of January was just hellacious in terms of the amount of road games. So hmm. they're a significantly better team at home. Um, they play for those six games that start after the all-star break or all at home. And it's, it's Spurs, Lakers, Pacers, 76ers, Suns, Jazz. Um, and, you know, two, only two games really scare you, you know, Sixers and Suns, because there's a possibility Durant uh, might be back by that March 5th game because um, he's getting closer. Um, but you know you don't you're not scared of the Spurs now. The Lakers are better now. They're not the they're I don't think they're going to be the cakewalk like you mark them up as a win like they were. Like honestly, before they made those trades, they were like in the Houston, San Antonio, Detroit range of like that's a that's a schedule win. Like that roster was such a mess. Um, but just because everything good happens to Lakers, even when they have the worst process in the league, uh, their roster is significantly better now. So we'll have to see what happens. Uh, they play the Lakers twice in the next month so you know those might not be the easy wins that we thought they were three weeks ago um but but they're they're bellwether for me like there's a lot like we're going to you know over the course of this season i would argue we've not learned very much up until the Kyrie trade because this team we knew that they lacked in areas now i don't know if the mavericks knew that injuries happened etc but if this team has what it takes to make a run, we're going to we're going to learn that. And I'm and I for one am like interested in this. You know, there's there's a way too much talk about whether Luca or Ky- and Kyrie can fit together. Frankly, there's some nostalgia going on about LeBron and Kyrie back in their heydays when they played together, where there was a lot of my turn, your turn. I've talked to two or three people that have done deep dives back into those series to double check it. And you know what? It was my turn, your turn, and it kicked ass. They (laughs) scored a lot of points. Was it the most visually pleasing basketball? Not all the time, but they scored a ton. And that's what the Mavericks have done. So what really they have to go about figuring out is how do we close this defensive hole? How do we become the 15th best defense and not the 24th or whatever they are? Right? Right. And that only happened, you know, Maxi maybe is, is going to be back mm-hmm. maybe during this homestand. I don't know. Uh, I think they said through the end of February was his target. So we're getting closer. Um, yeah, that's a, that's the million dollar question because they've given up like an average of like 64 points uh, per game in the paint in their three last three losses. Um, and there's no there's no help coming there. Like Justin Holiday will will give you some minutes and, and maybe be a little better than what they've been. Well, see, I that's and, and but I think it, that's where the Luca criticism is actually fair because going into All Star break, Luca looked worn out. Yeah, he was one of the worst defenders on the team in those. Last so, if games. he just plays a little bit better, how much does that solve? A lot to me, it solves a lot. <laughs> yeah, because he's big. Like he's not, yeah. you know, like he he can take up space. He's a functional defender. He really we've seen is. It. We've seen it before. So that's yeah. another thing is it's not like we're, we're wistful or hoping for something that's mm-hmm. ever happened. Like we've seen him, we've seen him do it. So yep. uh, I'm still again, very bullish at the moment. I think this team is going to be okay. I think it's going to be very weird. 
I think we're not going to get any re- – I hope they go on a run, but I think we're going to get a lot of, like, working out the problems. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really – I'm still tired. I'm glad, you know, it's Tuesday. They don't play till Thursday night. And then the way the schedule falls, they actually have a really nice run of games. Like they don't play. They play one more game after 730. That is the <laughs> after 730 start time. They play some afternoon games. Like for you and I, this is going to be pleasant. And and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sure maybe some games might get flexed into different time spots. But actually, Mavericks actually play a lot of night or a lot of national TV games already. So I'm not really sure how many more could be bumped up. So I don't know. I'm I'm feeling I'm I'm gonna be glad to getting back to talking about the basketball. I found the narrative has pushed me off Twitter, which should be fucking impossible because I've lived here for 13, 14 years. But I'm just the the kind of like the weird discussions where it's just like everybody wondering who's what on offense. It's like the offense is not the problem. It's the defense. And the defense is might be just because there's they're they're three guys down. I don't know. I I I waffle moment to moment whether I'm bullish on the team or not. And I think like the discourse surrounding the team is just so odd. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, we've got a new, you know, like Przingis brought his stands, Kyrie brings his, so it makes it tough to well, to but, the, I, the thing, but I think the thing we've agreed upon is that, like, the Kyrie basketball is fucking cool. Yeah, it fits. It works. It, it really works pretty well. Work. Yeah. It is, it's so, we'll see. Yeah. Okay, let's hope I didn't say anything too offensive in the podcast. I tried not to. Um we're going to have, I was going to do a live show after this, but I don't think I'm going to. I'm recording a show with Ben Golliver on Wednesday that I will try to have up by Wednesday night or third, you know, I don't know. I'll have it up at some point. Maybe I'll do a live show Thursday night before, or no, because the Mavericks play on Thursday. So, you know, we'll be back with kind of our, our regular schedule stuff. I, I can say now, just because, you know, we mentioned this a few weeks ago, um, we are nearly positive we're getting to keep our RSS feed, which is what delivers the podcasts to you regularly through your podcast player, which means that you will not have to resubscribe to anything. We don't know where we're moving yet. We have some ideas, but we're in a much better place than we were, which was basically a month ago where we were told that, hey, we're not going to be doing podcasts anymore. So <laughs> Josh and I are like, on one hand, I think we were like, Hey, if this if they shut us down, do we just quit? <laughs> do we just go to bed? Ride off into the sunset. But then on the other hand, it's like, oh well, we built something that we like here. So and I I will, you know, I've I've talked about this a little bit. I've done less volume on of shows. I like doing the moneyball minutes. I think you would like doing the moneyball minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, just to kind of talk about an issue of the day along with some of the stories that are out there about the Mavs, but if you know if once we figure out what's next maybe i'll kick some of that stuff back up i want to do some more interviews with people interviews you know just like talking shop with people that are kind of outside in the mavs realm so we'll we'll see what we have going here um we'll also be kicking stuff back up at uh, mavs moneyball we didn't really do too much the last couple of days i just wanted to give everybody a break unless they felt like writing uh meta wrote another wonderful piece uh there's there's just some great, you know, we, we have some interesting Mavs thinkers out there. Our site is so diverse in opinion and thought, and I really like it because we argue. And I think it's so much fun to actually argue about basketball. It's it's nice. So you got anything before we head out? No, nah, I think I'm ready. Um, at least 
Man, these six home games, 730, 230, 730, 630, noon, 730. Like, That's you might have you... to go to a game, Josh. No, I think I probably... you. That'd be funny, like, because you, you, everybody doesn't – it's been a couple of years, this COVID stuff, but it's like, you were a beat reporter. You were a beat yeah, guy. Of. You went to games regularly and nearly killed yourself because you were working so hard. But it's just, it's, it's like it's so much work to go to games, but it's like a noon game. Huh? A noon game. Is that a noon a home game? Yeah, that's cool. I might even try to. Hell no, I can't. I was like looking at ticket prices. Woo wee! The Kyrie effect is real, brother. Oh my god! Yeah, uh, <laughs> like three hundred dollars for three hundred level seats. Yeah, have fun trying to get tickets to the LA game or the Phoenix, especially uh, if Durant plays in that Phoenix game. Oh my god, Ooh. that's going to be nuts for ticket prices. All right, folks, Kirk Henderson and Josh Bow, Mavs Moneyball After Dark. Thank you for sticking with us. We're sorry we went for a few days without, but you know what? I'm sure you were glad to have a break of us. We'll be <laughs> back on Thursday night. Check your feeds at some point on Wednesday for the interview with Ben Golliver. Looking forward to that one. Everyone have a great uh, Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever day you're listening to this one. Bye, guys.